0: Ultimate Escape is a family friendly ministry that addresses sexuality. Some episodes may contain sensitive terms and subject matter, especially for younger children. It's time to have the talk. Hello and welcome to the Ultimate Escape Podcast. I'm David Chenault. Well, it's one of those things that nearly everyone who becomes a parent dreads the day they have to have the talk about sex. Well, it doesn't have to be something that's scary or that you dread. In fact, you can actually look forward to the day of having open dialogue with your kids, and it probably ought to happen a lot sooner than you think. Well, today we're going to discuss having the talk about sex with your children with Steve Holiday, founder of Ultimate Escape. That's their organization that partners with parents and churches and other organizations to bring about dialogue about topics that sometimes we're not always the most comfortable with. Because we're afraid we don't have the answers, because we're afraid we might say the wrong thing, or maybe because no one had the talk with us. We're going to cover all of those topics and even give you some resources to draw from today on the Ultimate Escape Podcast. So in the studio with us uh, today, Steve Holiday. Hello, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing good today.
0: Okay, so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, that... uh, that thing that strikes fear into first time parents and uh, even uh, sometimes uh, gets all of us who even have kids that talking to kids about sex. you said the word I did say well and and here's the deal because we are products of our environment. And so typically we do things even when we decide we're not going to, we wind up doing things the way our parents did them. And so if our parents, like in my family, we did not talk about sex, then you find yourself wondering, how am I going to do this? Maybe I just yeah. won't. Maybe it won't affect me. I'll just maybe
1: it won't come up. Yeah,
0: you know? I'll just I'll just <laughs> let it blow over for a few years. So Let's talk about this because uh, I have four children. You guys have four children. Um, the idea of when they start coming of age, first of all, there's that that tried and true phrase. What time? When do we start talking to our kids yeah, about probably sex? start
1: talking to them when they're about 16 and they're starting to date, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Just in time. Because I'm sure girls. their their little minds have not been contaminated ever before there. Not at all. In the culture no, we live in. Yeah. No, not at all. You know, obviously, I say that in jest and, you know, my encouragement is that we have conversations starting by age three uh, and that, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of conversation at age three, but at least start uh, bringing up uh, terms, you know, basic question, you know, body anatomy, you know, boys have this, girls have this, um, say, say the words, you know, little boys, um, Hey, that's your penis. I mean you have eyes, you have nose, you have toes, you have fingers, you have arms, you have hair, you have a penis, you know, girls you have a vagina. Um, that we don't make up little fun names. You know, well, we can't
0: use the words thingies and you know. hoo-hoos. Come on now.
1: <laughs> because when we do that, we're we're communicating something. Okay, there are beliefs about sex that start to get formed just in something as seemingly innocent as making up a, a silly name for a body part. What we communicate is something wrong with that part of your body. There's something so bad, so dirty about that, we won't even call it by its name. We have to make up something funny to call it it's not okay to talk about. Uh, And so we, our voice changes and we change our volume and we whisper or we don't Mm. talk about that, you know, when, when there are people around and well, okay, there, there might be a healthy boundary of, you know, we're not going to scream the word penis out in church as happened with uh, the son of one of my (laughs) teachers in high school. Uh, You know, they, they had taught their son to, you know, call penis a penis. Right. And so, you know, in the middle of, Communion. This is a large Lutheran church in town in the middle of communion. uh, Their three-year-old son, four-year-old son is standing there and he screams, my penis hurts. (laughs) Of course, you know, know, I mean, what do you do at that point? You know, you got a church full of, you know, almost a thousand people and a little boy just screams out, my penis hurts. I mean, what's the response to that? That's kind of awkward. Okay. There are some boundaries, you know, some things we don't scream out loud in front of everybody. Um, but the value of, it has a name and we talk about it like we talk about any other body part, uh, when there's a need to talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, is that's a good thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with that and it's okay to talk and laying that foundation of sex is not a bad thing. It's not a dirty thing. Your body is not dirty. That, that builds a lifetime of healthy sexuality or at least a foundation Sure. or a lifetime of healthy sexuality.
0: And I guess it it, it goes it should go without saying, but we probably ought to say it anyway. The fact is that you can't have a healthy conversation about sex with your kids if you're not having a healthy conversation about sex with your spouse uh, or with the, uh, the person involved in this relationship. If you
1: can't talk with an adult, it's going to be really hard to talk effectively with a child. Right. Uh, I mean, if you can't say the word sex or vagina or penis... It's going to be hard to talk to your kids.
0: But the truth is, I know couples who, I mean, seem to have a, a, an okay marriage. They seem to be doing fine, but they don't have healthy sexual talk. Uh, they don't. They don't just are not able to communicate about. I mean that that happens in the bedroom, or that well, mm-hmm. you know that happens at times when there's lots of passion going on, but there's just not any everyday. Let's just have a little bit of conversation about about sexuality and, and sexual issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't do that, it becomes even infinitely more difficult to begin having that conversation with your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what age?
1: Uh, like I said, three, three to four uh, conversations are are there and that introduces the idea that it's okay to talk, uh, that it's okay from for me to hear this from my parents, that in our relationship as parent-child, that's something we talk about. Mm-hmm. And if it's not awkward at three and four, it's not awkward at 10 and it's not awkward at 16. Right. But if it hasn't been talked about at three or four. And then we try to have that conversation at 12 or 15, you know, I mean, what, what teenager wants their parent to be having this conversation if they've never had it before. Right. Uh, because it's really awkward at that point, uh, because we're going against all those ingrained beliefs that we grew up with, that there's something dirty. We don't talk about this, um, I mean, that's something we joke about. It's something that's all over our culture. We see it in movies. It's in songs. It's on magazine covers. It's everywhere. But we don't talk about this in our family. If we've spent 10, 15 years with that belief in place, and then we try to go against that, that's very difficult. So, so that that's a whole different approach to have to deal with if I haven't done my job starting in an early age. Speaking
0: of the fact that it is everywhere in our society, it is our society is perhaps over sexualized I and mean, when we see it in all kinds of contexts and we normally see that as a bad thing, can that be a good thing? Can that be a thing that you can that can spur on those conversations? You can use that as a way to jump start those conversations about sexuality yeah, i
1: I believe you can I think that makes it a good springboard if I'm in that mode of I'm having to catch up you know I haven't done this um haven't had these conversations early, and now at twelve or thirteen. Or uh, my child twelve or thirteen, and, and as a parent, I'm feeling out of pressure. I, that that's a a good springboard. There's some things we haven't talked about. I haven't talked to you much or any at all about sex, and obviously, it's everywhere. And put, you know, there are a couple of examples to to put in there. And here's where you take ownership. You know, it was my job to have these conversations earlier, and I didn't. And not to make an excuse, but I might even give a reason for, and I didn't because I didn't know how to. This is what you're talking, this is your conversation directly with your kid. You know, I I, I have not talked to you about this before because my parents didn't with me and I just didn't know how to do it. And it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, It's uncomfortable for me right now, just having this conversation with you, but here's my pledge. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let my discomfort um, keep me from doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's probably awkward for you too. And it may give them a, you know, that, right. that may be kind of a pop-off valve of the awkwardness is to just state that yeah, and, and check in. Um, you know, from the fact that you're hiding under the covers of the bed right now, I assume that this might be awkward for you. I, I say that you know, joking, but, sure. um, you know,
0: well, silence can be your friend though. I, I I've learned that, that, that sometimes sitting out the silence can do a world of good. Uh, you bring a conversation up. I've had, I've had this. I've had this experience happen sitting on the sofa. You bring the conversation up, silence. I've got nothing. And instead of trying to fill the silence with just my jabbering, and, which I can do very well, but uh, I, I shut up and I just let the silence sit. It may take two or three minutes, and all of a sudden, boom! Here comes a conversation. And well, I do have a question about this, or you know what. Well, I don't know that you want to talk about this, you know? And then there we are there, there, the conversation goes. Yeah. I would
1: recommend don't misinterpret the silence. The silence doesn't mean they don't want to talk about it. They might really want to talk about it and they've never had an opportunity because you've never brought it up. Mm -hmm. They may not know where to start. They may not know what to say. Uh, So silence doesn't mean shut up go away. I don't want to talk about this. Right. Silence might mean, is it okay to talk? what's my mom or dad going to say if I ask about this particular? What if I share that I have already had sex? Right. Or that I'm looking at porn or that I sent a picture of myself. I mean, who knows what thoughts are going through their mind when you open up the door to the conversation. Right. And so I, I think that's a great idea. Let sit with the silence and let them be the one who breaks that silence. Sure. So
0: I want to talk real quickly about timing, and we talked about starting very early, um, and and I want you to hit real briefly on a conversation we've had previously about the idea of of truth and establishing truth and being the one to help establish that truth for your kids, uh, and and the concept of is basically you want to be the first person on the scene.
1: Yeah, if in our brain, you know, in all these different compartments of of topics, potential topics. Um, whatever gets in there first is going to become the default accepted truth. So if I start by age three or four and I'm introducing truth about sexuality, uh, my child hears that and that is their default. But if I don't fill anything in that information and they hear inaccurate information, that goes into that spot in the brain and that feels true or that's accepted as true so now my job becomes i have to pull out the misinformation and help my child recognize that that's not accurate and try to replace that with the truth well, what if my child doesn't believe me so if, if i've never talked about sex and they've grown up in a world where all their friends are are having sex and there's nothing wrong and looking at porn is normal and fine and and here they are at 14 and i tell them oh by the way pornography is bad and you shouldn't be looking at porn. They've heard from everybody else. There's nothing wrong with it. Hmm. Why in the world would they believe what I say at that point? Why would they accept my value as accurate? It is so much easier to introduce the truth and be the first one there with the truth. um, And then to be able to reinforce that through the years.
0: I think sometimes we go down that road of saying, okay, at what point, obviously you mentioned three or four, starting that conversation, just making it available. Obviously, you're not unloading all the right. wealth of information at yeah. three or four. And so you've got to find a way to pace that and kind of bring those topics up as they come along. Um, I have found, and, I, and, and I'm and i curious about if I'm doing this the right mm-hmm. way, <laughs> I have found that I try to push that envelope a little bit because I want to stay ahead of the curve. And so... Um, my daughter was and i were having a conversation not too long ago and there was uh, we were talking about some sexuality issues and she was talking about getting pregnant um about people getting pregnant and i said i said yes i i said it you know yeah you can you can get pregnant just by having sex one time and i and i thought i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and push the envelope a little bit and i said and don't ever let a guy tell you that it, a position makes a difference because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And she said, I hadn't heard that. And I was like, yes. And so she said, what do you mean? And so then we had this discussion about, you know, positions and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, which really, I think, moved that conversation down the road a little bit. I'm always trying... Not to go too far, but at the same time, keep ahead of the conversation so that um, so that you can be, I can be the one who helps to establish truth uh, in 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 the perspective, especially in sexuality.
1: And I think one of the challenges, especially for parents of young children, is how in the world do I do that? What do I say? What do I teach them at three and four? Hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of parents struggle with. I don't want to put thoughts in their minds. I don't want to contaminate their minds. You know, air quotes around contaminate their minds. Uh, and so ha- having some tools to be able to um, have those conversations to me is is huge. I'm a big fan of a couple of books by Dr. Jim Burns uh, of Homeward Ministries. The uh, one for three to five is God Made Your Body. And then I think it's ages six to nine recommended is How God Makes Babies. Now, obviously, God doesn't magically make babies and you know, they just poof, they're in the air. Uh, but, you know, from a Christian worldview, you know, what's God's plan? How did God design life uh, so that? You know, uh, babies are are formed. I love those books because it's it's easy to just sit down and read it. Mm. I don't have to come up with the how do I. It's all right there, and and the pictures are great. I mean, it's brilliant color and uh, very effective graphics, and it's on that age level. So I can just open up the book, read it at bedtime or whenever reading time is. You know, between me and my children, and there the book does all the work. I just have to read it, and now the conversation is set for it's normal. It's okay to talk. Um and it guides me through the basic information. So I fill in the basic information and as my children get older, if they have questions, they're much more likely to actually ask the question because I've already laid the foundation that talking about this is normal in our relationship. Right. And then you know, as they get older Obviously, there are, there are deeper topics. Uh, there are there are more difficult topics that have to be addressed. At some point, we've got to talk about inappropriate touch and unwanted sexual touch and sexual abuse. Mm. Um, and again, if we have that conversation first before they're exposed to something, in that situation, at least they're armed with how to react. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody tells me, I hear if I'm an eight year old and somebody tells me to let them see my privates, if I've never you know, had a conversation about that. Well, it's an adult or it's a friend of mine. I'm likely to comply because I've not been prepped on what, how do I respond? I don't want them to be mad at me. I mean, they're my friend. They're they They must be. This must be OK because this is a good person uh, or that's my youth minister or that's my uncle or whoever. Uh, and they wouldn't ask me to do something that was wrong. And so it, it kind of push those internal feelings kind of push us to do something that if we had been armed with accurate information about how to respond, we might respond very differently. Mm-hmm. So if I've had that conversation with my children about it's okay when, when you were a baby and we had to change your diaper, it was okay for me to see your privates because I had to, in order to, to change your diaper. Or if we go to the doctor and there's a, there's a hurt, uh, or, or the doctor needs to, to see your body, uh, in that setting, that's okay because there's a reason for that and it's a helpful reason. Uh, But if a babysitter or if a friend or if a family member or a stranger wants to see your privates, that's not okay. And here's what you do. You say no. uh, And then you come and you tell me or you yell for help. But we, we walk them through, here's how you respond. Right now, if that situation presents itself, which all of us hope that never happens, but statistically, it happens to more children than it doesn't
0: wow. and so
1: it's it's likely to happen let's at least give them a fighting chance and talk them through how do you respond mm-hmm. in my opinion and you know i've worked with sexual trauma survivors for quite a few years now uh, in my opinion it is easier to deal with the aftermath if there has been some level of uh, of warning about an instruction of how to handle it than if they've been caught you are know, totally blind. Neither one is a situation you really want to have to deal with right. or that you want anybody to be in, but it's better to be armed because there's a more, there's a more likely chance that they're going to do something in that that helps minimize, or at least that uh, they walk away from that feeling like, Hey, I did what I could have done. Right. I
0: did what I knew to do. Which Does is, it minimize the natural guilt that comes it, along associated with it? It
1: makes it a little easier to deal with the, uh, the guilt of, I did the wrong thing. Right. right. Again, not saying that, hey, if we arm our kids, they're going to make it through and it'll never be an issue. Right. I I, I just think it's easier to walk through the aftermath uh, when you've been prepared and feel like, hey, at least I, I did what I knew to do.
0: Sure. Let's talk about uh, the idea that some people have, um, that I've, I've encountered with parents before that say, you know, I don't want to talk about this right now because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't think they're quite ready to be introduced to that. I don't want to introduce my kids to this yet. You know, hmm. I
1: want to, and, uh, and cause and, I'm sure our culture will not be introducing <laughs> them to anything that they're not ready for.
0: Well, and you know, and that's, that's, that's another point that, that I, a lot of times in terms of what topics we're talking about, what conversations we're having, what issues we're addressing. I hear constantly from parents about, you know, the great demise of our media and our world around us. And it's just so horrible. And, Yes, it would be wonderful if we lived in a sanitized, non-attacking, no violence, no. That'd be, yeah, that'd like be, those early Christians
1: did yeah. in the first century. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, with the temple of Athena down the road. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, we—that's the fantasy. That's that's not reality. Right. The other side of that is how can I work for good out of this? And so, a lot of times, I try to take my cues about what we're talking about from the world they're living in. So, yes. You know there are some major media companies out there that are pushing the envelope and bringing things directly into our living room. Do I let my kids see all of that? Not all the time, but when they do and when it happens, then I turn and we say, you know, hey, this may be a good time to talk about this kind of situation. If if we're seeing a a uh, a same sex relationship on the TV screen on a show that's supposed to be geared for kids, instead of completely shutting it out and say we're not, you know, that's not we don't we're going to turn around and say, hey. What do you think about that? You know, let's talk about this a little bit and let's mm-hmm. take our cues from the world around us because they're going to get that information from them.
1: Yeah. And there's probably a healthy balance between ignoring it. You know, Hey, we see a, a sex scene or we see a topic introduced in a TV show and we just ignore it and not talk about it. Or we point out every single thing that's wrong about every show that we ever see, which is probably close to where I was, you know, when our kids were um, you know, coming into their teen years and it got to, the point where my daughter didn't want to watch a TV show with me ever because you know any time there was something wrong with the content, I was going to launch into this you know, right. long lesson about what's wrong with that. So somewhere between those two extremes is probably a nice, healthy balance. So it's 30 uh, minutes worth of TV
0: time and 30 minutes worth of Bible study time. <laughs>
1: you know, my, my encouragement at this stage of life, you know, having hopefully learned a few, uh, a few lessons from my mistakes there, uh conversations should be just that conversations right not lectures and brief 30 seconds couple minutes sure sure not 30 minutes couple hours yeah. um and hopefully repeated not like i'm saying the same thing over and over right. and for years but that we're repeating conversations we're having multiple conversations right um short move on come back to it later short and and hopefully that way it doesn't become like kids feel like we're beating a dead horse
0: at the same time, you know, we try to we try to come up with situations and 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 opportunities to let those topics be aired without forcing a conversation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the very first time uh, you came as part of Ultimate Escaped uh, and spoke uh, at a at a congregational setting that we had. Um, my oldest daughter at the time was eleven years old, um, and she sat through uh, the about four hours worth of presentations. There were breaks and pizza. We made it. It was.
1: She, it was great. It is four hours, four
0: solid hours of intense. No, it was great. But, Even Viagra didn't last <laughs> <live> that long. <laughs> so my oldest daughter is 11 years old. She sat through the, the three or four presentations, and I know for a fact because because I I just we I know that when the experience had happened, there were words that were spoken. She had no idea what you were talking about, and they just flew over her head at 20,000 feet. And there were terms included in those like masturbation um, or uh, ejaculation or some of those terms that are very scientific. There were some slang terms for some of those same things um, and sexual acts uh, terms that, again, that she probably had heard somewhere um, or not. I don't know. But most of those things, she wasn't – not only did they just go overhead, she wasn't even interested in. Mm. But it did – put things in a context that she knew when she heard those things later on, Hey, I've heard this before. And it was okay to talk about that with my parents.
1: And just to point out, you know, ultimate escape presentations, we don't go into that, nature of content in presentations, that's Q&A time when, when those questions right. come up. Right. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, <laughs> wait, he's talking about ejaculation in you know, a group of teenagers? Well, we, we address questions openly and honestly. So when a teenager asks a question, sure. hey, we're going to go there and we're going to talk about it in a healthy way. Is that the way we're supposed to tr- do it with our own family? I would sure hope that that's the way we do it. But it scares us sometimes. Absolutely. And especially if we're afraid of what our kids are going to ask. Well, what did you do? I mean, did, did you guys wait until you were married to have sex? And uh, that's probably the, one, the biggest fear I think a lot of parents struggle with is, okay, if I didn't follow God's plan, okay, if, I was, if I was involved sexually, whether it was with the person I'm married to or with somebody else, uh, if my child asked that, what in the world do I do? Uh, or if
0: and- I survived some kind of sexual trauma myself, do, am I ready to bring that to the table?
1: Yeah, and so you know, I think we have got to address the fears that we have, and hopefully have somebody to process those fears with. Ideally, if we're married, we're processing those feelings with the person we're married to, and preparation for being able to talk to our kids in a, a healthy way without so much emotion contaminating that. Now, if there is a if there is a sexual trauma, for emotion to contaminate that would be very normal, and for our kids to be able to see that we have emotion about that is not a is not a bad thing. I just don't want so much emotion surfacing that I lose the ability to engage in healthy conversation. Uh, And at the same time, I don't want to project all of my fears and and regrets, et cetera, on my kids. I don't want to assume that, hey, just because I had this experience, that means if I talk to my children about sex, then that somehow, you know, that's going to doom them to, to have some kind of a bad experience.
0: So as they mature and we deepen those conversations, what's the end result? What are we hoping for? What's the goal we're moving toward?
1: My hope is that our kids are developing uh, an understanding that sex is good. That sex is not a bad, dirty something uh, for me to have sexual feelings and experience sexual thoughts and uh, long to have a sexual relationship with someone. I don't need to feel guilty about that. That's the way God designed it, uh, that I can look forward to it, but i I get that in a context of how God intends for all this to work, because the, the vision the world has for how we use sexuality is uh, a stark contrast to the vision that, that God lays out for sexuality. And so I want my kids to understand the boundaries that God put around that and why. Not that understanding why makes you know guarantees that they're going to follow God's plan, but I think it equips them to make better decisions. Right, um, because it's one thing to hear, well, God just wants you to wait until you're married before you have sex. Okay, if that's all my kids ever hear from me or understand, that's not a lot of a lot of information to weigh against the onslaught of pressures that they're going to face from the world. Uh, but if they hear, hey, God, God's the one who designed sex. Sex is a great thing, and He designed it to take place between two people who are married to each other. And here are so many benefits if we'll wait and experience it in that context. And here's some consequences that when we get involved sexually before that, uh, here's some real world consequences, not trying to scare somebody uh, into obeying God, but just to give them accurate information Hmm. uh, so that they're not blindsided and then realize afterwards, oh, that was a bad choice, but maybe if I had understood that before, Maybe I would have made a different choice
0: that places in context a little bit better the whole idea of it 's not a question of God or sexuality, but god centered right. sexuality uh, that uh, that it's rooted in a god centered perspective
1: right and I also don 't want to uh, give my my children the impression that if they 've ever had any kind of sexual experience, that now they 're doomed to not be able to enjoy sex you know for the rest of their life. Hey, there there are consequences and some things we can undo, some things we can't. Uh, but just because there may be some consequences uh, doesn't mean that I'm dirty or that God's upset at me or God's angry at me. An early sexual experience certainly is not the way God designed sex to work. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's something that I can't recover from or heal from or be able to put that in my past and recognize, hey, that happened. And if it's a choice I made at 12 or 13 or 18, I can at least recognize, hey, that, that wasn't a good choice. But it's a it's a choice, it's not me. My value is not dependent on my sexual behavior. My value is independent of that.
0: And, and I guess that strikes at the heart of this whole discussion, because it's trying to instill, in, because our society says all the time that your sexuality is... And your value are Are intimately locked together. Yes. And so trying from a very early age to understand and impress upon our children Mm -hmm. that their value comes from somewhere else, sexuality is a big part of their life and will be. And it's Mm -hmm. a uh, uh, God-given trait and it's a uh, God-given perspective. and and, um, Value
1: and identity both. There you go. Um, My value is not dependent on how I look or how I can perform, or how I can satisfy somebody. And my identity is not based on my sexual feelings or my sexual behavior. Who I am is totally different than what my body feels sexually or what I'm attracted to or aroused by or interested in, any of that. As you said, our culture just kind of puts all this stuff as it's one big ball of wax when who I am and how important I am or what I have to offer somebody They're not completely unrelated because one can affect the other. But it's not all the same thing.
0: Now, obviously, the biggest fear I have or the biggest fear that parents often have when talking to their kids is I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answers. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, When that happens, and eventually it will, um, I think— Personally, I think it happens much later than we assume it's going to happen. I do know quite a bit. I mean, I Mm -hmm. do have a lot of answers that I can share and a lot of personal experience that I can share uh, if I'm willing to do that. Uh, But at some point, I'm going to hit that bridge or hit that wall that says I'm I'm not sure where to go from here. You mentioned the Burns books for younger Mm -hmm. children. Where do we go when we get older and uh, our kids get older and we get to a point where – Well, these are great questions. i really, I don't have any answers.
1: And there are a number of good resources out there. If if you're looking for a Christian worldview that offers, you know, practical and and accurate information, Uh, one that I like is called uh, Angry Birds and Killer Bees. Uh, It's a resource that Ultimate Escape offers, you know, when we do presentations for, uh, for parents or where adults are present. Uh, But, you know, depending on what age your child is, you know, what are questions they're likely to answer, what are topics that need to be covered? Uh, and it's not an intimidating book. It's not you know the f- size of a you know phone book in New York City. Uh, it's a, a fairly easy read. Uh, it's a fairly short read, but gives some good practical advice on you know how do we answer questions and what specific questions should we be prepared for.
0: And as far as um, personal assistance, help or information, ultimate escape uh, seminars, yeah, there, training, there equipping. Is a,
1: there is a. Full-length presentation, uh, Talking to Children About Sex, that's available on the Media tab on our website. So if you go to ultimateescape.org and click on the Parent Portal, that takes you to the Parent section of our website. And just mouse over that Media tab, and there's a drop-down menu. Click on the Talking to Children About Sex. That about an hour and 10, hour and 15-minute presentation that gives you a lot more information than what we've covered today. Uh, there's one other great resource, uh, the book Hooked. Uh, again, yeah, that's a book. Uh, But it it delves into the whole idea behind brain neurochemistry uh, and what is our culture telling our children versus what does research say is is actual factual information. Uh, But it basically addresses how our casual sex culture is affecting our young people uh, and provides a lot of accurate information uh, to counterbalance the messages our culture is sending.
0: And, of course, uh, Ultimate Escape is also available to do in group settings, large presentations of all kinds. Our
1: our ministry exists to partner with churches and families and presentations at churches and schools, other organizations. That's a large part of what we do.
0: Presenting the truth leads to freedom. Steve, thank you for stopping by today. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it for us today at the Ultimate Escape podcast. If you missed some of the resources or you have any questions for Steve or any of the folks at Ultimate Escape, you can email us right here at podcast.com. At ultimate escape.org of course you can also find contact information and a wealth of resources on their website ultimateescape.org. make sure you catch all of the ultimate escape podcast episodes by subscribing to us on itunes the google play store you'll also find us on stitcher and many other platforms you can even ask alexa if you have an enabled device at your home to simply play the ultimate escape podcast and she'll play the most recent episode for you Until next time, I'm David Chenault. Thanks for joining us on the Ultimate Escape Podcast.